Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford joined by Noah Russo. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. You know, recording this on Sunday morning and we got football Sunday this week, week one. So absolutely fired up for that. Cannot wait for it. Uh, As I'm sure, you know, you are too. Um, You're obviously a big Giants fan. How do you think the Giants are going to do this year? Uh... Yeah, they're gonna do good. Um, I, that's like I, that's unbelievably unconfidently you said that. Like, yeah, it's like I, who knows how we're gonna do. Um, yeah, that would be one way to put it. Let's say like eight and nine. Ooh, wow! I'll so predict just, that. Okay, so you're pretty high on the the Giants this year. <laughs> exactly. All right, you're a believer. I respect it. I mean, I you know, I'm a Seahawks fan. Uh, not Trout's going to go. Uh, probably okay-ish, but tough division, you know. Cardinals getting Watt and, you know, Niners getting Matt Stafford. So it's – not Niners, Rams. Uh, but, yeah, should be fun. I'm excited. Finally, football Sunday. Uh, last season, we always did our, our parlay picks for, for football Sunday. Um which we probably will do again this year, you know, especially, you know, depending on if we have stuff to talk about or not, but week one though, too tough, too tough to make, you know, predictions. Too tough. We're not going to, we're not big enough football experts to, to determine any of, any of this. No, not even remotely close. So we just got, we got to watch like a couple weeks here, I think to figure out who's good and who, who's not. Yeah, exactly. Cause you know, there could, there could be some teams coming out of nowhere uh, to have good seasons. So we'll, we won't do too much about that, but in terms of hockey stuff going on this week, there is still not much. It is still remarkably quiet. Not really many moves being made. The only one I can think of is Panthers legend Eric Goodbranson securing the bag with the Calgary Flames. Making, <laughs> like, what was it, that? He's almost making $2 million, right? Yeah, just, just, yeah, just a shade under $2 million. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that sign? Former Panthers player. What are your thoughts? What are the flames getting here with Eric Goodbranson? I mean, I guess they're getting like a bottom pairing D could also be a seventh D (laughs) like, I don't know. It's the flames defense hasn't always been a staple in the NHL. So I guess anything can help type of situation. Yeah. But I, I, I find it a little confusing that he can go till, what was it, September 11th? September 10th. September 10th. He can go all that time and still get a $2 million contract? Yeah, like, it's, I think it's, like, 
insane that, you know, you're signing a guy to be basically your seventh defenseman in September and you gave him $2 million. Seems unnecessary. Seems like too much to pay, especially at this stage of the offseason. Um, Erica Branson, I'm sure he's like a decent enough guy, but he's not the best at, at playing hockey. He is, however, six foot five, and you cannot teach six foot five. You and can't. If, That's and true. if there's one thing I could say about the Flames, like offseason as a whole, is they did get bigger and more physical. Did they get better? Maybe, maybe not, but they are definitely bigger. And very on brand, too, though, with like Daryl Sutter as the coach. Like, I'm almost thinking he's the GM at this point with some of the moves they've made this offseason, bringing in Pitlick, Brad Richardson, Zadorov, now Erica Branson. So they're, they're going to be a physical team for sure. Will they be good? Who knows? But they will be big. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it, would, it ends up. Um, who, they got um, – was it uh, Blake Coleman or Barkley Goudreau? Blake Coleman. Which one was it? It was Blake Coleman um, from He's a good Tampa. Player. Yeah, good player. Good player. Bit of a high price on that. But I, I'm i a bit puzzled by the Flames offseason, to be honest. I, like, I'm not sure what direction they're going in. But we'll see how it pans out. Like, you never know. But yeah. definitely puzzling situation for me. Yeah, I think their, their season could go off the rails, I think, at some point. Just with... Yeah. Some of the moves they've made. I don't know how good that team's going to be, but Eric Branson securing the bag. Love to see it. You know, get paid, get paid quite a bit for this stage of the offseason. Good for him. Um, other than that, though, really not too much going on. I know, you know, teams are, you know, finally open up their, their development camps. Uh, Panthers development camp opened up. I think we talked uh, a couple episodes ago about players we're excited to watch. Uh, now they're all there. Uh, and then yesterday, I think there was, uh, you know, interview with uh, Anton Lundell where he was talking about, you know, it, obviously Florida, very different than Finland. Uh, he was saying he was enjoying go to the, going to the beach, uh, you know, and just having, you know, stuff to do basically away from the rink. Uh, right. So there's that. And then, you know, I saw some people on social media kind of like reading into that and questioning maybe this guy's, you know, commitment to the sport or, you know, kind of thinking that maybe he's going to the beach too much, not overly committed. What are your thoughts on the, you know, his comments in his, in his first interview? I mean, I think people are reading into it way too much. I mean, yeah, people are like, oh, you know, he should be watching like film in his spare time. Like that's what all the great players do. And it's like, no, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it can be different. Like some people are wired like that where they're like, you know, always working. They're always trying to get better, right? But then there's other players where, like, you need a break every now and again uh, from whatever it is, you know, whatever your job is. Like, you need a break in order to be the best you can at your job. And then the, the beaches in Florida are lovely. So, like, that's what I would do, too. Like, like, I don't know about you, like, when I'm working, like, my life is mostly, like, hockey, hockey, hockey. Like, I go to work, watch hockey, come home, I'm watching hockey with, you know, my roommates – we go on this podcast, we're talking about hockey. Like, that's everything. You need a break from it every now and again to be the best you can be at it. And I think that that, like, you know, Anton Lindell wanting to go to the beach is, like, I have no issue with that. 
no, I don't know why people would. It makes no sense for me. But I, people, that's they're always going to find something to complain about. I am sure Anton Lindell spends more than enough time at the rink during rookie camp and is going to during training camp. This is really like the only kind of downtime he gets in Florida. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, if you're doing your downtime, like I think I'd rather outside at the beach having fun than, you know, just sitting at home alone doing nothing. Exactly. So, right? so I mean, it's like we should appreciate the fact that he's enjoying the area. Yeah. Like and that- yeah, it's. I yeah. don't get people that are just trying to read between the lines when you just shouldn't. But I don't know if I, I saw some of the comments on it. And for a second, I was like, I'm sorry. Like, does this guy play for Toronto? Because that's a very Toronto like fan base thing to do. Run a player out of town just as they get there. Yeah. Like, like, I was like, like, let's not do that. Like this, you know, this is like a 19 year old kid, 20 year old kid. Like, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let him go out there, show what he can do. And, you know, hopefully he shows well in camp and, cracks the roster and you know has has a nice rookie year but yeah i have no i have no issues with like anything he said i wasn't sure why people really would but you know it is what it is and we'll kind of see what what comes at a development camp see if there's any players that are going to turn some heads obviously still early um but exciting to watch i was looking at some of the other teams development camp rosters too Looking around the league, one player I thought was really interesting that was on a development camera roster was Joe Valeno in Detroit. And I was like, the disrespect to Joe Valeno, like he is, he was drafted like four years ago in the first round, and they're still inviting him to this. And he played like, played I want to say most of last season. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I felt kind of bad for Joe Valeno there, but I was like, the disrespect. But they they were disrespectful to Zadina too, like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people though are like, still waiting for Zadina to fill their nets with pucks, like he said he would. Exactly. Um, and so far has not been the case, but still early, still very, very early. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm surprised his name isn't there. Like that would have been just on par for Detroit. Um, yeah, you have to let the players slowly come through the system, like as slow as possible. Exactly. It's an interesting model. I mean, we'll see how it goes, and of course. Jeff, Jeff Blashiel is still running the show there somehow. Yeah. Like I aspire to have the job security that Jeff Blashiel has. Yeah. Like unbelievable. Second longest tenured coach in the NHL and literally almost think, nothing to show for it. He made the playoffs once in his first season. Yeah. Cause it was the first season after uh, Babcock left, I believe. Yeah. Like. Unbelievable. But, uh, you know, he must be doing something, right? Not sure what it is, but it must be something because uh, he's still there. Also, one other thing I want to talk about uh, on this episode, I'm not sure if you saw it, but The Athletic put out their list of their top, like, 32 players under 23 years old in the NA- or, like, that are affiliated with NHL teams. No Anton Wendell on the list. And Spencer Knight at 32. Yeah, I, I saw thought- I, I saw the sorry. I saw the uh, they made the um, the ranking. I didn't read. I didn't read it at all. Um, uh, who was twenty? Who was first by by curiosity? I don't know if McDavid's still under twenty three. He's not. Then Matthews. I'm not sure if he is either. 
like it must have been in that ballpark type of thing. Yeah, it was like like obviously like I'm not trying to make a case that like Spencer Knight or like Anton Lindell are the the best players under 23, right? Because that would be ridiculous. There's some unbelievable players like I know Lafreniere was pretty pretty high, Moritz Sider, Quentin Byfield. Like I get that; those are higher picks. They're players who projectably have like very high ceilings. Yeah. Right. So I understand that those guys are going to be at the top of the list, but 32 for Spencer Knight just seems way too low. And the fact that Anton Lindell, not even there also to me just seems a bit ridiculous because it's Anton Lindell. Exactly. Like I completely agree. Um, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's the fact that he's just like never played in North America. Like, it, yeah, it could be like, there are a number of things it could be. Um, I got the list here, by the way, I pulled it up. Um, okay, so cool. yeah, Spencer Knight 32. Number one was Kale McCarr, Svechnikov, Elias Patterson, Dalene Hughes, Lafreniere, Stutz, Likachuk, Power, Jack Hughes, Heiskin, and Zegers. Um, and the list goes on. But to me, like, here's the thing. Like, first of all, Anton Lindell, I get that he's not the flashiest player, right? And people question his offense, despite the fact that he continuously puts up offense at every level he ever plays. And he plays against men. He plays in the World Juniors. Everywhere he goes, he puts up points. So the belief that he's not an offensive guy just doesn't seem to hold any merit. And his two-way game is excellent. So to me, I would for sure, like maybe not super high on their, you know, U23 ranking because there are some very, very good players, but he should be in there absolutely uh, in my mind. Yeah. And then Spencer Knight at 32, like the thing for me is that let's say you're, you're, like, you're basing this on like what they are, what their seal, like U23, I think you're basing it on what, what their ceiling is, right? Not so much what they are. Right, because exactly. otherwise this list would be horrendously out of order. Like you have Rasmus Dalvin ahead of Quinn Hughes, like that'd be absurd. So you're basically on potential. So let's say, like you have a player, like let's say Tim Stutzla, right, who is the seventh ranked player. He's a left winger. Best case scenario, he's you know probably a top line left winger, right? Yeah. Spencer Knight, best case scenario is he's you know a very very elite goalie for a long time, right? And everything about where he was drafted and the way he's performed at every level since being drafted would say that, yeah, this guy's going to be a very, very good goalie in this league. A number one goalie, potentially an elite goalie, potentially a franchise goalie. If that's the case, I would think that, like, having a goalie of that caliber is a lot more valuable to a team than having a top-line left winger. Yeah. um, You know, I'm just seeing names, and I'm like, I I can't help but disagree, and I definitely think Anton Liddell is, like, better than Arthur Kaliak. Yeah, like Arthur has Cal- a bigger upside. I think there's a bigger upside than several players here. And yeah, like I just don't know how you can like there's there's a couple other players like from other teams, like a couple prospects I would say are like omitted and should be in there. But to me, Anton Lindell should be in there based on everything he's done so far in his career. And especially with the opportunity, you know, there is in Florida right now to play with some pretty good players, to play on a very good team. Um so to me, yeah, I was just like perplexed by this. I will agree though that like I absolutely do agree. Kale McCarr is the best U twenty three player in the world. Yeah, I, I think you have to agree with like that. they they nailed that, and then from there, you get like 
I'm not a big Dylan Cousins guy either. Like Dylan Cousins is in there. Like, yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. But best case scenario for Dylan Cousins, I don't think is anywhere close to the best case scenario for Spencer Knight. Like I would take Spencer Knight on my team any day of the week over Dylan Cousins. No disrespect, but like it's Spencer Knight. And I think Deline's like definitely high on there. Yeah, I think like 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 Deline's a really interesting one because like obviously number one pick, very highly touted. Uh, he's ranked fourth on this list. Like there, like the, the praise is there, but he hasn't been good in Buffalo. How much of that is him not being a good defenseman, and how much of it is Buffalo just sucks? Like exactly. Like if he was anywhere else, he's probably a better player. Exactly. I was having a debate at work. Um, I think last, yeah, it was last week. Um, it was, is Jack Eichel a top 10 center in the NHL? And we ended up saying Jack Eichel is a top 15 center in the NHL because he plays on Buffalo. I think it would be unanimous top 10 Mm. if his career was anywhere else than Buffalo. I I still think he's a top 10 center, even in Buffalo. It's it's tough. We were we were reading off we were listing off all the other centers in the league. And it's he he ends up like it's he's borderline top ten if you like him a lot. Yeah, like no, like I like Jack Heichel, the player. Like he's very, very skilled and talented. Um like I like if someone says like if someone were to tell me like he's not a top ten center, I would like understand that. I personally think he is, um, but he like he is just on that like fringe. Like if this was a couple of years ago, I would say he's yeah probably closer to uh, top ten, maybe even close to top five. Yeah, but like as of right now, like and the, the reality is there's also just like a lot of very good centers in the NHL. Like I think like McDavid, Barkov, Drysaitel, Matthews, Braden Point. I'd have ahead of him. Like you you probably have Crosby ahead. I mean, Malkin, maybe. I still have Crosby. I don't think I'd have Malkin ahead. No. Just because like, he's really falling off, I think. Um, I, it'd be close between him and Patterson, I think. I, I think I, I would take Eichel over Patterson. I think I would, too. Um, it was – sorry, I'll, I'll pull it up. We, we can do it together. So, we said point was better. Then yeah. you have the sh- – I, I think Eichel's better than Shifley. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think Eichel's better than um, than uh, Tyler Sagan. Yeah. I th- This is a tough one. Is Would you rather have Jack Eichel or Matt Barzell? Well, yeah, that's like a really interesting one. I think I'm still going. Ooh, it's really tough. <laughs> exactly. like what system I'm playing? Because like both are really good off the rush, both very different players. Um. I think I'd go Eichel, but it'd be very close. Yeah, I, I think I I would kind of side with the Barzell, but very, very debatable. Yeah. Um, And then we said McDavid and Dreisaitl, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, Aho or Eichel? Ooh. I think I'm going Eichel. It's close. Yeah, like, the thing is, like he's like in that tier where like you could organize him any way you want, and he'd be in the top ten or he'd be outside. Like, but he's in that mix of like an Aho, I think a Patterson, a Shifley, um, 
we've said I, I, I think there's there's a clear like bound I think Shifley's a, a lower tier yeah like, uh, yeah I'm not very, I'm not like a huge Mark Shifley guy yeah right um Leafs fans would probably have Taveras in there which I think would be ridiculous but we would definitely have Barkov in there over Eichel oh absolutely um, would we- you have Sam Bennett in the mix no, I know the sample size is small, but who had more points second half of last season? Definitely Sam Bennett. And yeah. that's just the reality. And he's yeah. just better. Is that recency bias? No, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, no, it's an interesting conversation. Like, talk, yeah. yeah. Like, it's really close. Um, there's some there's some really good centers in the <clears throat> league. Um, <clears throat> it's it's going to be interesting to see how this situation is dealt with. I really don't know what's going to happen in that situation. Like, I I don't know. I, I still, I don't think he gets traded before training camp. I just don't know why, like, they won't trade him. Like, the player is clearly unhappy. Yeah, he's clearly unhappy. Like, he wants the surgery. Like, he's just, like, I'd be so, like, mad if I was him like he's changed his representation like it's a really tough situation that will you know we don't know how it's going to shake out I think he will be dealt like I think he's like I think regardless of when he gets dealt he's definitely played his last game in a Sabres jersey yeah it's it's tough like they obviously don't want to trade him there's obviously not the return they want on the market right now yeah but like the reality is too, like they have no one else really to blame but themselves. Like you had a very, very good player, a borderline top 10 center who signed and committed to your team for long term, right? He signed for eight years and you have managed to basically ruin that relationship between the player and the team over several years. I'm sure not winning a lot of games also contributes, contributes to that, but like, you really don't have anyone to blame but yourselves. Exactly. And at this point, $10 million for Jack Eichel is probably an underpay. Probably. But that's, that's the thing, too. It's not a bad contract. Exactly. Like, it's not like... An you upgrade. really... Like, if you're Buffalo, you really screwed up big time. Now, I was looking at Buffalo's depth chart this week. And oh. I, did, I did... I took a sneak peek. And I saw that... Their their goaltending is a little shaky. I mean, it's arguable that it's not great. Right. And Jack Eichel makes a lot of money. So it's hard for teams to take on that salary without, you know, yeah, you have to take some salary back if you're Buffalo. Yeah, I think that's Sergei Bobrovsky for Jack Eichel. One for one. One for one. The money works. Panthers save a little bit of money. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> throw in marcus nudavara as a sweetener as a sweetener throw in frank vetrano as a sweetener and then just oh, all man. and then all the first round picks just throw them in there doesn't matter every first round pick in the future that would be interesting i really don't think buffalo would do like it would absolutely never do that but in in a situation where like i i <laughs> I don't think, even if the package is good, like on paper is good enough, 
I don't think anybody would take on Bobrovsky's contract. No, it's an it's an impossible deal. To move. Like even if the trade it. makes sense, even if it's like it's it's pretty much the same superstar X factor going on each team. The contract is just so bad. Unless it is Jeff Skinner coming the other way. See now that could that intrigues me. I still like Jeff Skinner. I'm That's so, interesting. I know. Oh my goodness. He definitely has a no movement clause. Yeah, but Jeff Skinner, it's like, hey, do you want to come down to Florida, hang out at the beach with Anton Lindell, play on the third line, score 40 a year again? Yeah, he fully has a no movement clause. Whereas, uh, does what's Eichel's? Yeah, Eichel has n- no like. No trade protection. No clauses. Well, at this point, like, I think, yeah, you'd just be fine. I mean, at this point, you would have waived them all, right? Yeah, just send me somewhere. Maybe not, like, Ottawa. But, like, send me somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine bouncing between, like, Buffalo, Ottawa, Winnipeg. At least Winnipeg is a good team, you know? A decent team. Well, their defense looks much better this year. Yeah, talk about a team who upgraded defense big time. Talk about a team that had a need and addressed it. Big time. Yeah. So, also, unrelated, doesn't really relate at all to Panthers. So many RFAs still unsigned right now. So many. I am like, like, what is happening in Vancouver? They've got all the numbers guys just like crunching every single possible scenario. Yeah. Well, the entire offseason was let's clear out some money so we can sign these guys. Then let's spend the money we cleared out to sign these guys. And then let's not sign these guys. Like, I I am baffled at, at the Canucks situation. Because, like, it's one thing. Like, there's a lot of guys that aren't signed. Like, Brady Kachuk's not signed. Kirill Kaprizov's not signed. Right? Those are big name, like, those are big name RFAs that are not signed. Right? But Vancouver has two. Like, if you have one, it's like, okay, like, it's not, it's not great, but like, you know, you'll find, you'll find some room, right? But to have two of, you know, the best RFAs right now unsigned is not, is not great for the Vancouver Canucks. It's not. And I think they may have up to 13 million with LTIR. It's Um, not, it's not enough. If uh, if Michael Furlan goes on there, did you probably will? Yeah, he probably will. I'm pretty sure he's done. Unfortunately, like if this could have happened next off season, they would have been okay. They're still paying Roberto Luongo. Yes, they are. Legend. The, I, the, that ends after this season. They have. Brayden Holpe and Jake Vertanen buyouts, which are only a million together. Like, it's not too bad. But next year, it's 2.4. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, this year is half a million. It's just a really interesting situation that... Their, uh, their cap situation is just such a clusterfuck. Like, it really is. Yeah. Jim Benning's got them into some pretty, pretty deep water. And it's... it's they're looking awfully close to drowning. Yeah, but the good news is that help is on the way this offseason in the form of Tucker Pullman. <laughs> so don't worry, Canucks fans. You're going to be just fine. No Quinn Hughes or Elias Pedersen signed. 
but Tucker Pullman and Oliver Ekman Larson are there to save the day. Um, but yeah, like something's got to give. Like at some point, somebody's got to sign. Yeah, and then like next year, you've got to deal with Brock Besser. No oh, goodness. Who's gonna have arbitration rights? And then like, yeah, it's 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 not great. And then after that, it's Nils Hoglander. And then after that, it's Vasily Podkolzin. And then after that you probably just have to like file for bankruptcy. Like it's not like, great. I, I'm not like, they just, they have the money to pay their guys. They just don't have the space. Yeah. Yeah. Like money, money's not an issue, but like their cap space is just a nightmare. And then they like kind of fixed it a little bit. They got like the, the you know, they created the short term issue by, or the long term by bringing an OEL, get rid of all those contracts. That only I actually really like that that OEL. Like, I don't mind him. I know it's a long contract and he's getting paid a decent amount, but he da- he does have upside. Yeah. The problem is, you don't do it when you have to sign Hughes and Pedersen in the offseason and you're already against the cap. Yeah, like, I don't know why you wouldn't have just, like, taken another year and like waited till like you had like Louis Erickson and like all the other guys off the books. Right. And then like, like instead of now you just have your eight million OEL for the foreseeable future. Right. It, it makes no sense to me, but I do like Connor Garland a lot. I like that addition for the Canucks. Yeah. And it's probably a good price point for how much he's going to produce. Yeah. Like it, it, it certainly makes sense. Um, you know, he's going to play with better players, I think, th- th- this year than he did in Arizona. So definitely good. And he 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 fits kind of that culture in Vancouver, I think. But yeah. I don't know. You probably shouldn't be doing that if you have like I like it independently when you think about the fact that you also have to pay. Um, Pedersen and Hughes, it doesn't make a lot of sense anymore yeah it's oh and it's it's bad yeah it's bad um shocked frankly we haven't heard any rumors about an offer sheet on Pedersen. oh i would offer sheet him and harpy like if i'm seattle that is like right Money. Yeah. like what better way to steal a rivalry uh, to start and a steal, rivalry than, than steal to their steal like player. their best player yeah, like, like so far we've seen one offer sheet and it's Jesperi Kakaniemi. Like, that doesn't excite me. Like, oh, congrats. Like, guys getting overpaid. Fantastic. Good for him. But, like, no, I want to see, like, a big-name player get offer sheeted. Like, let's get going on it. Exactly. Like, like let's start throwing them around. Let's, let's get a Shea Weber size offer sheet again. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Like, something that actually, you know, makes something happen. Like, let's go. Like, um, very, very strange, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know what I think. It's all over the place. All right, but my last question here before we sign off for this week's episode. Of all the RFAs left, there are 14. Well, 15, 16, but like not, not, not big names. Uh, who do you think is 